Welcome back, and a very special welcome to one of our next guests. He is one of our favorite guests as well, John Mills, retired colonel in the United States Army. He has served his country in uniform with great distinction and uh, special operations units. Uh, He is specialized, among other things, in psychological warfare. He is also an expert on cyber issues and served in the office of the Secretary of Defense for a time in a civilian capacity um, with responsibility for that portfolio on the policy side. He is uh, a valued member of our Committee on the Present Danger China and a senior fellow, I'm proud to say, at the Center for Security Policy. Colonel Mills, it's good to have you with us, sir. Welcome. Frank, always an honor to be with you. Thank you. Okay, let me ask you, uh, I was hearing yesterday that the Chinese government, uh, I think with a sort of amen chorus from the Russians, formally charged the United States with operating um, not just scores, but hundreds of uh, covert facilities around the world um, engaging in biological warfare activities. Uh, you have spent a lot of time in senior positions in the government and I think um, may be able to shed light on what it is they're talking about and whether there's truth to the charges as rendered. Yeah, Frank, what, what this is all about information warfare and information operations. This is, we are in a non-shooting World War III. China's the senior partner, Russia's the junior partner. What, what China did yesterday was essentially seize upon the longstanding Nunn-Lugar Act, the, also known as the Soviet Nuclear Threat Reduction Act of 1991. This is a longstanding program that was created with the best of intent, as are, are, are all government programs. Uh, but it, it simply put, the whole purpose of the, and it's also known as the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program, the whole purpose of this essentially was you had a huge nuclear, biological, and chemical stockpile in the Ukraine, also uh, Georgia, uh, also Azerbaijan, Belarus, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, huge, huge uh, nuclear, nuke biochemical stockpiles and unemployed scientists trying to feed their families. This was a program uh, initiated to uh, essentially get these under control, get these extremely dangerous uh, substances under control and make sure uh, these scientists are not providing for their families by working for bad people. Um, Yeah, that was 91, almost 30 years ago. So what what the Chinese are doing in classic PSYOP propaganda is seizing upon something we've been doing for 30 years and creating and portraying it as, as some kind of evil uh, infrastructure. Now, everything they do, they automatically assume we're spying. Um, you know, uh, I would say 99% of the program was, as stated, uh, you know, in a constitutional, functional society, we always want our intelligence community to be aggressively pushing the envelope with, uh, uh, with strategic competitors or enemies. We want them. If we are operating in a constitutional America where the intelligence community community is operating as a constitutional construct. Uh, but the Chinese and Russians, because they're so perverted and so they think everything we're doing is a spy operation because they're the inverse. Any of their programs are 99% spy, 1% do stuff. Ours was 99% do stuff, 1% I'm not going to speak to. 
So um, this is the problem. They've seized upon this as a propaganda point, and we just need to be, you know, this this is the Nunn-Lugar Act from 91. Like it or not, this is 30 years been in public law. So uh, the, the adage, no good deed goes unpunished, comes to mind here. Um, you're saying, John Mills, that there have been uh, quite a number of these facilities uh, that have been operating under some kind of U.S. sponsorship and supervision, uh, but not for the purposes of doing biological weapons research, um, or let alone do activities, you know, supportive of biological warfare, but to try to prevent that sort of thing from happening. Is that right? Well, yeah, the bio-warfare defense, and this is the nuance because the deep state has lied so much everything, especially about Wuhan, Fauci, and the American role in Wuhan. Uh, they've lost all trust, and now anything looks like bio-offensive bio-warfare, which is gain of function, which is what Wuhan was doing. Now, the bio-treaty that, that many of the countries, including China, uh, has signed, uh, allows uh, allows defensive bio research. There is, and, and as you and I have, have studied, there is a significant difference between offensive and defensive bio warfare. They look totally different. Uh, but to the layperson, because of the lies of the deep state, everything is just getting blurred together. Were some of them doing uh, defensive bio research, which is totally allowable? In fact, a good thing. Uh, in accordance with the Biowarfare Treaty. I, I think probably there was some of that. Uh, offensive, uh, that shouldn't have been, I hope not, I doubt it. But they've seized upon it as a propaganda point. And we have to treat this as this is a propaganda warfare game. And I guess effective propaganda, and as a trained specialist in psychological operations, you understand this better than anybody, John, often has a grain of truth to it. And the grain of truth in this case is that we do have and have now for quite some time and in a pretty public way tried to make sure that this huge infrastructure that the Russian, uh, previously the Soviet Union, uh, had that uh, was authentically used for weapons of mass destruction, offensive uh, related research and development activities, uh, whether they're nuclear, whether they're chemical, whether they're biological warfare. Um, is that right? So that we can stipulate to that. The question is, is that something that was ongoing with U.S. subventions from the taxpayer uh, in an illegal uh, and dangerous way, uh, namely biological offensive yeah, I, I mean, the simple answer is I don't believe they were doing offensive bio. Um, what When this first started coming out last week, people were shouting, and I think it was purely Russian disinformation. And we must be vigilant, just as we're vigilant against the deep state and, and aggressively going after the deep state, we cannot fall prey to Russian and Chinese propaganda. And people were portraying Putin as the great savior of all of us, and that he was doing great things by taking out these offensive bio labs last week. That is a lie. And uh, was there was somebody moonlighting at these labs and doing things they weren't supposed to be doing? I don't know. I don't think so. But um, but Putin is not our savior. Uh, uh, he is not the enemy, but he is not our friend either. And we must always be vigilant of, of the difference and just not, I think many, many, there was many people on, I would say our side that were falling prey to this 
and portraying him as this was some kind of uh, uh, the Crusades and that uh, we he was actually doing the right thing. You know, hey, Putin attended some of these world forums, too, with Soros. So, you know, he he mingled and co-mingled at some of these events also. Uh, Putin is a career KGB operative. So I apologize, but over he has decades of track records where he is thuggish and, you know, he is going to push unlawfully advantage for the for the Russians. I spent almost 40 years. It is my sworn duty and anybody who takes the oath of office as a civilian or uh, in, in uniform, we are going to do we're going to push the envelope lawfully and always make sure America has an advantage. That's our sworn duty. Um, but we're going to, we're going to play by the rules and we're going to be lawful. Um, they have no lawful bounds. They're going to do whatever they want to do in, in Russia and China. John, let me come back to something you said a moment ago that, that Putin is not our enemy. Um, there are those who uh, strongly agree with that. And if, in fact, as you've suggested, indicated that he should actually be on our team uh, against a common enemy, namely the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but there are others who are, of course, of the view, especially in the aftermath of this Ukraine invasion, who insist that he is uh, unabashedly the enemy of the West, including the United States. And the axis that he formalized back in February with Xi Jinping uh, and have, I, I guess, uh, reaffirmed now, both of them repeatedly since, uh, makes him actually a member of the other team, for sure. Uh, walk us through your your sense of uh, the nature of the man, and, and more to the point, the nature of the relationship we should... Well, we, we blew it in the 90s with the Russians, and I will point... Uh, yep. The Biden team, the blue team, always needs an enemy for everybody to just get deranged, angry about, whether it's Trump or, or Putin or whatever. They always need somebody to go berserk over. So they're just, they're, they're ideologically off the, un, un, unsalvageable, you can't talk to them. We missed the boat in the 90s. And Madeleine Albright seemed to take it upon herself to, when the Russians were on their knees, when the country was devastated and destroyed in the collapse of the Soviet Union, by merely extending our hand and agreeing to work with them um, and, and help, just help them, whatever that meant, that could have changed the world dynamic. Instead, Madeleine Albright made it her choice to just brutally kick them in the teeth and ignore them during the 90s. Putin remembers that. Um, coming forward to more recent times, um, that they are they have chosen to be on the other team. Um, they have Russia is a much bigger and stronger country than the Ukraine, and they have attacked the Ukraine. It should be enduring policy across administrations that we do not support a bigger, stronger country crushing a smaller, weaker country. That's what's going on. I am not defending the Ukraine. They are corrupt too. A lot of problems, a lot of link, link, linkages to Biden, a lot of issues. But the reality is Russia is brutally attacking Ukraine. My view is send them a stockpile to the border and they pick it up at the border of stingers and javelins and have at it. We want to provide equivalency so the Ukraine is not utterly crushed because Russia is on China's side. Um, problem is we got somebody in the White House who is compromised. Uh, we have uh, we, we have a problem. Uh, the countries do not respect us, and this whole MiG twenty nine flop with Poland reflects the 
utter amateurish, ideologically crazy behavior of the current administration where, where Blinken essentially was goading Poland to cross the red line and receive a hard punch from Russian returns while we just stood aside and said, oh, well. And, um, you know, so they, so the, the Poles very wisely jujitsu this and said, hey, you know, all these MiG-29s, they're now U.S. property. We're sending them to a U.S. air base in Germany. Whatever you do with it, that's on the U.S. Very wise of the Poles because the insidious, ideologically crazy behavior of Biden, or of Biden, of Blinken, the political appointees, and a lot of the careerists, unfortunately, at state, the polls don't trust us. Nobody trusts Biden. Everybody knows he's not a man of his word. And I tell you, Frank, I've lived through so many international negotiations under both Obama and uh, Trump, Obama and uh, uh, and tr- uh, Trump, Obama and Bush. The countries prefer Trump. They they prefer Trump. This is a, a really important incredibly important point. I I assume, John, that you have, as do I, low expectations of Vice President Harris's uh, diplomatic mission to the Poles and to the Romanians and and NATO more generally uh, under these circumstances. And and again, it it speaks to this issue of trust. And and just, if you would, John, sort of a concluding thought, um, my fear is that what we've increasingly seen and and given reason for uh, is that the calculation in large numbers of places around the world is that it is better to be America's enemy than its friend. I don't know what else to say here, Frank. Uh, the ideologically deranged behavior and alternate universe that the Biden camp resides in is just astonishing. And anybody on that side who is ideologically sound, I mean, and is intellectually open-minded needs to call it out and leave that camp because these countries see Biden-Harris for what they are. No moral values, no moral starting point, cannot be trusted. We'll, we'll just, they, they have this amb- ambiguous, unclear view of a, of a perfect world and just will try to will everybody toward it, but they don't give specifics, they don't give guidance, they don't give actionable way ahead. And in negotiations, they can't be trusted. I have been burned at the White House on National Security Council, where one of the Obama appointees, we'll have a meeting, you've been through these, Frank, at the White House, we'll have a meeting, uh, it was unclear what was decided, a lot of dispersed opinions. And then the Obama team, now the Biden team, will put out a uh, an after-action memo and say, hey, everybody agreed to this. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Um, John, uh, we have to, I think, leave it at this. Uh, we're in a dangerous world in which, uh, as you say, Russia and China are increasingly joined at the hip, um, albeit the Russians as the junior partner. Uh, the Chinese are the far bigger threat to us, obviously. Um, are we at risk in our preoccupation with Russia at the moment of uh, missing that larger threat and uh, perhaps enabling it to metastasize further? Absolutely. Because of the pronounced lack of trust and confidence 
by other countries and, and including our strategic competitors, as the Biden team likes to call China and Russia, uh, we are giving a green light to world chaos. This leadership from behind with vague ambiguities, Obama, John Kerry, John F. Kerry, you know, lecturing uh, is a green light to world chaos. And we need the leadership of Donald J. Trump to provide America. They, they, these countries desperately want American leadership. So this, this leadership from the, grant, from, the, uh, from the bleachers, this leadership from the third balcony, where we're just kind of powerless observers, uh, after a while, these countries say, well, you know, the United States has checked out. Uh, we're, it, we're, we got we to gotta cut our own deal. And that's what happens. And that's what triggers the rest of World War III. Uh, separate pieces or outright betrayals or piling on, uh, all of that is definitely in prospect. Uh, John Mills, your insights as well as your long service to our country in so many different capacities, including that you're now rendering with us, among other places, at the Center for Security Policy um, and Newsmax, by the way. I want to commend you for your uh, now continuous loop there. It's, uh, it's very heartening to see you shedding light on all of these issues and we're appreciating, as always, your time with us today. Keep up the great work, my friend. Come back to us again soon, if you would. Next up, we'll speak with Scott Powell, the author of Rediscovering America, a very timely and much-needed corrective. We'll be right back with him after this. 